listening to J Voices, the Asheville JCC podcast dedicated to the people, events, organizations, and ideas of the Asheville Jewish community. I'm your host, Belle Crawford. And for season two of J Voices, I'm your co-host, Seth Kellum. Before we begin, we would like to say a special thank you to our podcast sponsors. This podcast is brought to you by longtime JCC members and supporters, Heather Whitaker Goldstein and Esther Mannheimer. Heather and Esther are attorneys at the Van Winkle Law Firm, where Heather focuses her practice on incapacity planning, client advocacy, and litigation in a wide variety of situations where an elderly person is vulnerable to exploitation. And Esther deals with matters involving commercial litigation, land use, and land disputes stemming from encroachments, easements, boundary lines, erosions, and title matters. The firm offers a wide variety of legal services, so no matter where you are in life, the folks at VW Law will be by your side. Visit vwlawfirm.com for more information. This podcast is also sponsored by Gaia Goldman, a realtor with Beverly Hanks. With Gaia Goldman, you'll be saying shalom to your new home. Gaia is one of 10 top brokers with the Asheville Board of Realtors, and she is one of the top 10 brokers at Beverly Hanks Realtors. Her in-depth knowledge of Asheville's unique real estate environment will give you the edge you need in this fast-paced market. Call Gaia at 828-713-2071 for a complimentary real estate review of your home or your buyer relocation packet. That's 828-713-2071. With Gaia guiding you through the home buying or home selling process, you'll say shalom to your new home. Again, thank you so much to our sponsors. We really appreciate your support. This episode is the first in a two-part series about Judaism and creativity. In today's episode, we will be interviewing Fred Peretz Khan. He is an artist and a writer and a member of the Asheville Jewish community. His artwork is an extension and reflection of the natural world. He uses natural materials, including wood fiber, tree bark, clay, foliage and flower petals, among other things. He focuses on exploring and revealing the materiality of nature's vast creative expression. Peretz has also recently published a novel in verse titled All the Small Things. And we will be talking to Peretz today about his process for creating visual art and creative writing and about the way his Jewish identity informs his creative process. Peretz, we're both so excited to have you on the podcast today. We have come up with some questions that we want to ask you. Uh, Seth, would you like to start us out? Yes. So I was about to ask, Peretz, does your Jewish evolution, past and present, have any impact in your process and, of course, the art itself? I think, you know, my art and my writing, in fact, my personal relationships and my relationship to society in general is shaped by my Jewish identity. So in that respect, my creative process is centered around core Jewish values that I aspire to, but fall extremely short of realizing. 
specifically, I would I would say patience and kindness are two of those Jewish values. And that shows up in my writing and my uh, studio work. The third one that comes to mind is humility, but that has its own set of traps and self-delusion. So, But in my writing and in the studio, that really kind of looks like getting out of the way of being critical of what I'm putting down on paper or what I'm creating in the studio. Specifically to art, I'm you know, I'm in awe of creation. And the natural world is, you know, far more wondrous and beautiful than anything I could ever assemble in my studio. So maybe that's as close to humility as I'll I'll get, but it's not enough. But I, I feel in art and in writing, I'm not really creating anything. I'm assembling experiences. And I try not to take too much credit for, for what comes out. In your most recent publication, it's a coming-of-age story, and it's seen through the perspective of a young boy. Um, Can you talk about who he is, and does he have a relationship to Judaism at all throughout the book? Sure. I'd love to talk about that. The book just was published this this week uh, by a small press uh, in Frankfort, Kentucky, Broadstone Books, and it's it's titled All the Small Things, and it's a novel in verse. And as you said, Belle, it's, it's a coming-of-age story told through the poetry journal of a young high school student, uh, young, a young boy, a, a boy. I'm not really sure how old he is. He's probably a sophomore uh, in high school. And the book is um, a novel, so there is uh, a no- narrative arc to the entire book, and it's told through his poetry and some things he writes down in oral history project from friends and lessons that his teacher gives the class and some poems that his mother exchanges with him uh, in their own practice of, of poetry. Uh, there is a, a subtle but deep Jewish aspect to this book, which is that his mother is a widow and his father was uh, actually Jewish and came from a fairly Orthodox Jewish family. But he died when uh, Martin, the, the journal keeper, was quite young, and he doesn't know a whole lot about his father. And this story is kind of uh, has a lot to do with that. So Judaism does play a role in this book in in a very meaningful way. But it is not overt. And uh, I didn't want it to be overt because religion and spirituality and uh, ethnicity are very subtle, subtly interwoven mm-hmm. in, in, in my life and in the lives of many people. And I, mm-hmm. I don't have a good working definition for what religious means or observance mm-hmm. Uh, but I do know that there are forces in our life. And, and that, mm-hmm. that I hope comes through uh, mm-hmm. in, in the novel. I think one of the most creative processes that we can embark on is parenting. And I know both of your children, very fond and impressed with both of them. I see where ethics and art was encouraged and infused. And I'm, I'm wondering, what was the intention in your parenting to infuse Judaism, to infuse creativity? and how that presented itself? Yeah, great question. Thank you. Well, I would say first and foremost, uh, I was very fortunate to 
come from a family where my parents kind of embodied Jewish values in, in the most beautiful way, which I would say was being incredibly responsible parents and notably my father being extraordinarily gentle and kind. My mother was more the disciplinarian, the organizer. She she ran an amazingly organized home. And I as I became a parent, it became apparent to me that uh, that's no small task and accomplishment. So you know, there's that saying as you as you get older, your parents get wiser and wiser. So that was kind of my experience. But as a core Jewish value, quite simply kindness was is the value that Daphne and I infused into raising of our children, that above all, kindness is the most important thing. And in terms of Judaism, oddly enough, I grew up in it. My parents spoke Yiddish among themselves, like so many people of my generation, so they could have private conversations. I really regretted it, but I didn't speak Yiddish well enough to to speak Yiddish with my wife, nor she me, but we both speak French. So we would speak French together so our children couldn't understand. And a, a dear friend of mine, Jonathan Boyarin, said, yeah, they're going to grow up thinking French is Yiddish. <laughs> so, but, you know, we lit Shabbos candles and, and did holidays together when they were very young. And we've always been a very kind of Jewish home. And um, I'm perhaps more intentionally Jewish around my kids uh, for that reason of wanting to instill, maybe the right word is a, a Jewish idiom and voice in their head. And so I think uh, that goes a long way uh, to who they are. But, you know, I think every parent has a similar experience. You get what you get. And uh, we were very fortunate to get uh, Emma and Asher, you know, right right out of the box. They were pretty amazing kids. So... Parents, has your relationship to Judaism changed over the years? And um, has that been reflected in your art at all? Yeah. The thing that I realized in high school and in college and in my kind of meandering and flirting with not being so Jewish and then coming back to it and all these things and then having children was... Judaism was a good thing to be able to be tethered to and something to reject uh, because uh, the tether was a kind of a, a lifeline to have, have uh, a core identity and, and spiritual uh, wisdom tradition to, to come back to. And the most beautiful way that I was able to come back to it was through Buddhism. I got involved in meditation purely as a kind of a stress relief thing uh, in my late 20s. And it kind of led me to Thich Nhat Hanh. And I was in a sangha for a number of years in Brooklyn. And that kind of evolved to going to San Francisco Zen Center uh, after meeting a Zen teacher, Norman Fisher, who is a poet and a writer and uh, was at the time the abbot of Green Gulch Farm, which is part of San Francisco Zen Center. And I was taking a leave of absence from my work. And he said, well, you should come by. And I ended up spending a year there and where I met my wife, Daphne, who, who was also a 
there. She had been there for two years. And so we spent one year there and fell in love and continue to have a relationship grounded in Buddhist and Jewish spiritual orientation. And But Buddhism really kind of diffused all the things about Judaism that I struggled with. You know, what God is, is any of this real? Is this fiction? You know, is the Bible true? It just kind of, all of that left. And I was able to, and still am able to appreciate Torah in a more profound way because I don't want to say exactly non-attachment because I'm far from being non-unattached, but just from an open appreciation of how we create meaning and how it is up to us to create meaning in our lives. So that's the long answer. But the short answer is Buddhism and Judaism and Viktor Frankl's writing have kind of awoken me to the responsibility I have to deliberately create meaning through my writing and through my artwork, through my relationships, uh, through my, my time in nature and everything else, because that is what for me creates a meaningful life. And I don't feel that I'm boasting here. Tell me if I am, but I do feel like my, my life is richly meaningful as a result. I don't think that's boasting. I think that's a result of a lot of work that you've put into it. I don't know if there's sort of a special connection between um, meditation and maybe Eastern philosophy and, and Judaism and creativity, but, um, but yeah, I've heard that before. So that's really interesting. But, but I would say that my time in the Zendo, in the meditation hall at, at Green Gulch Farm, and we would chant in Japanese. As, and, and I would say, well, this, this, this is cool because this is like yeah, yeah, chanting in Hebrew, only I don't really understand what I'm chanting. But for many years, uh, I didn't understand what I was chanting in Hebrew. And I, I just want to add, uh, in terms of artistic uh, creatives, when I first came to Asheville, and congregation Bet HaTefillah, Reform Judaism was very new to me. And I kind of resisted it because I was used to conservative and orthodox services. But when I heard Seth and Billy Jonas and the singing services that occurred at Bet HaTefillah, I was able to reframe my experience very, very magically and say, oh, here we are on a Friday night. Here's a room full of Jews practicing their Judaism in song, and it was it was transformative. You know what? I remember that. I I remember uh, meeting your whole family for the first time, and and I grew up in a conservative shul, and so finding that experience that you had was something that I experienced as well, and processed and opened my myself up to. And now I'm in a place where I love it all whether it's, you know, strict chanting of Nusach or whether it's, you know, a song that leans towards folk rock. I love it all. And I love sharing it with people. So thank you so much for saying that. I would love to have you, Parrots, read a little bit from your new book. Would you be willing to do that? Sure. I'd be honored to do that. I'd be honored for people to check out. I have a reading that I did for my publisher that is on my website, and uh, I can send you the link to that at some point. That would be great. I'll put it in the podcast notes. 
I, I guess the, the poem that, that I want to read to you is early on in the novel. And as I said, it's the poetry journal of a young boy named Martin. This poem is from his teacher. And just a few pages earlier, we learned through his poetry that she has given each of them a marble composition book to use as a journal for this year's English class and encourages them to write in it. And in the inner flap of the of each composition book, she has pasted a poem that she has written for her students. And that poem is included in Martin's journal. And I'll read that. And so this is the teacher. Uh, her name is Yolanda Ellis. Uh, and this is her poem to her students. Create. And if it's from your heart and makes you laugh or cry, or cringe, or smile, or sigh. It can be about anyone, anything, any place, any time. A lost tooth, a flower, a mountain, a dream, a stranger, a friend. If it's true to you, it can take any shape. A song, a story, a drawing, a dance, a garden, and show up in any way how you walk, how you make your bed, how you decorate a cake. It can be the cake. If it's true to even just one small part of all you are, then there's beauty in it and poetry. The reason I love that poem is because I feel like it's an invitation to the students, but it's also an invitation, obviously, to the reader to consider those things, why they're, why they're important. Um, and also an invitation to create something in response to those things. And I think it's also really interesting because it, it kind of shows a little bit of a window for me into a question that, you know, Seth brought up earlier about how creativity showed up in your parenting because it feels like such a loving thing for this teacher to do, to write a poem to her students, inviting them to create around experience. I think it's beautiful that, that that's included in your story and that it feels like an invitation to me. Thank you. That's very kind. I'll just say, I'll share one little anecdote, which is um, I started writing this, this book uh, Mm, maybe 15 years ago. Uh, I, w I won't admit to having started it any longer than that. But um, uh, my daughter was very young, and I wanted to write it uh, a, a book about a, a young, a very young person. And the longer it took me to write, and the older Emma got, and and so the character got older and older. <laughs> and so it's kind of it settled on high school by the time. She was in high, had graduated high school. I was close to finishing it, but uh, the other part of uh, that is we played a lot of games with our kids growing up, and and one of the beautiful results of that, aside from both my children having vivid imaginations, is that our son Asher and Seth can attest to this is he's amazing at creating games. You give him a, a ball or a, or a, a rolled up sock and a little square footage, and he'll create a game that will amuse me <laughs> for hours and hours. And in a very beautiful way, his creativity has blossomed 
in being able to connect to people and the world, and, and especially to me by creating literally several dozen games over the course of the years that we got to play together in very small spaces. That's so neat. The last question that we have for you is where do you see your art going from here? It's, it's hard to say. Usually I, I, I stay focused on, on, at least on the art pieces I'm working on currently. And that usually means uh, a series of three or four pieces. I tend to work in, uh, in series. And that, that takes you know, a long, long time to complete. There's a certain kind of sculptural quality to my most recent pieces. And so if I were to look where they're going, they're becoming more sculptural. And that, that's, that's fun to ponder. But, you know, the, the vines and the grasses and tree bark and other you know, kind of offerings from the natural world are so interesting. They're such interesting materials to work with and get to know. Um, I try to stay open to the possibility by not knowing and not demanding that I know anything or where things are going. And, and I think that's a lot of what the artist's journey is all about for me. And maybe, and maybe that's just what the human journey is, is about. So uh, in that respect, for writing, I write a lot by hand, but I'm not in a hurry and I, and I don't write quickly. And my writing is intensively revisioned uh, over the course of a long time. So I don't have, it doesn't have to be good right away, you know. Parents, I love, I love the words that you choose and the way you communicate them. And I have for a long time and having this opportunity to sit and chat with you this way has been just incredibly spiritual in itself. And I'm really grateful for this time. I'm also very grateful for both of your time. And it's, it's, uh, it's always meaningful for me to spend time with people that I respect and am and, and fond of. You both do great work in the world. And I appreciate that. Thanks, Parrots. You too. This has been a really inspiring conversation for me. I, I'm ready to go and, and create something myself. Maybe do some writing. <laughs> Thanks. And that concludes this episode of J Voices. Thank you so much for listening. Don't forget to check out the podcast notes for a link to uh, Paritz's website where you can learn more about his work.